This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports original. Welcome to the latest editions of Baldy's Breakdowns. We come to you, as always, from our friends at Odyssey. I love Odyssey. I can speak for Baldy saying Baldy loves Odyssey. You should love Odyssey, too. And we hope you love the Baldy's Breakdowns podcast. I I'm Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. I have the pleasure, as always, to be joined by my buddy Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL on Twitter. And as we told you guys last week, we're we're going to use the the downtime in the NFL cycle to kind of reset, take a step back, um, look at these rosters that now are somewhat set, let things marinate, and start really picking the league apart division by division. Um, letting you know what we think of these teams, where we think they're going, and and who we think you should keep your eye on. And we are going to start that exercise with the NFC East. Baldy, some would call it the NFC least. I don't think it's a powerhouse division. I also don't think it's necessarily going to be the worst division in football. And obviously we have some teams there that are, are, are different stages of rebuilding. Uh, we've got the return of Dak Prescott. We've got the Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles, we we pretty much think now. We've got Fitzy in the division as the stopgap for Washington, and we've got Daniel Jones yeah. needing to probably take a major step up in order to keep heads from rolling in New York or further transition there. I, I think it's an interesting division. It's, it's obviously a lot of teams that get a lot of headlines because it's major media markets. There's a lot of history in this division. Um, I, I think it's 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 trending in the right direction, but 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 probably still with a ways to go. I think those are good headlines, Jason. I mean, I think that pretty much is a is a quick uh, summary of where we're at with this thing. It's interesting, you know. A year ago, Jason, if we were doing this podcast, uh, you know, once we get to the dog days of June, and yes, we're counting the days. By the way, it's it's ninety eight days until uh, the Dallas Cowboys go to visit Ooh, Tampa Bay to kick off very nice 2021 season. Uh, just to give you the you know, time frame here, but a year ago we would have said, okay, we've got three new head coaches, yeah, you know, in Ron Rivera going to the Washington football team, Mike McCarthy going down to Dallas and a guy named Joe judge yeah, was going to take over for the New York giants. But Doug Peterson is returning as the coach <laughs> of the Philadelphia Eagles and right. in the pandemic world. Isn't doesn't he have a huge advantage? Oh yeah, you know, everybody knowing his staff yep. and the continuity of success. Yeah. Carson Wentz healthy and oh. like we've turned this thing upside down on its head here, Jason. Yeah, you're right, Baldy. And 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 you know, as someone who covered this division back in my Washington Post days, you know, Joe Gibbs would always tell you, last year buys you nothing. This year yeah. and and in this division, yeah. I think that's particularly true. But let's start with uh, Joe Gibbs's former franchise, the reigning NFC East champs, those seven and nine WFTs. Um, I, we, we've talked about this team in terms of the draft, and I, I think you and I are simpatico on this. I still think they're the best team in that division. I think this has the potential to be a top three defense. I like what uh, the, the new regime there in terms of the front office, Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew, what they did in this draft. And I think these dudes know who they are. They don't want the quarterback to be anything particularly sexy. It's a bit of an old-school throwback vibe. Uh, I think the offensive line has improved enough. I'm buying them to repeat as NFC East champs. I am too. 
I am too. I think they're building it the right way. I, I, you know, I'm on record um, throughout this offseason saying that I like what everything Washington's doing. It's amazing what Ron Rivera has done going in there. Uh, that was a big mess uh, off the field, on the field. Oh, yeah. And it has really cleaned up. I remember uh, going down to see Ron uh, in training camp last year, Jason, took a, a drive down to see him. And, uh, you know, it was actually the same day that he announced later on after practice that he had, you know, that he had cancer oh, and he was out to fight it. Now, nobody would have known it at practice that day. You couldn't tell by looking at him or anything. And I remember distinctly, you know, just watching Adrian Peterson and Alex Smith gimp around. And and I was thinking, man, like, I don't know, like this, this doesn't have a great feel to it. They ended up playing four quarterbacks last year, Jason. Adrian Peterson was shipped out. I mean, the point of all this is, like, they made a lot of good moves. They went with Antonio Gibson. They went with the young guy, and it paid off. And their young players, Chase Young and Cam Curl, I mean, they they stepped yep. up, and, you know, they really became a force. And so I, I look what they did last year, and, and you're right, Joe Gibbs is, is spot on. Um, but, I, but I do like the foundation that's being laid. And I know the Morgan Moses thing probably caught a lot of people by surprise. I mean, he started every game for him last year, even yeah. went over to left tackle, played left tackle to pinch, you know, when they had some injuries over there. But, you know, they, they have been adding, you know, Eric Flowers coming back into the yep. lineup. They did draft Sadiq Charles from LSU last year. Cornelius Lucas did play well at left tackle, despite what anybody might think. I mean, they have been adding offensive linemen to this group. And so uh, I think everybody is, you know, guilty of making that cap casually, that business decision, um, you know, and they did with Morgan Moses, but you know, it's part of the price you pay if you're going to keep Brandon Sheriff and make him, yep. you know, a long-term yeah. fixture on the line. Somebody's got to probably have to go. It's just a, the, you know, stark reality, but, but I, but I like Washington. I, I really do. Uh, I think they can build on the seven and nine a year ago. I can, I think they can build upon, a really competitive playoff loss at home to the, you know, the reigning world champions. Um, you know, they, they get their first two games at home. Um, you know, I'll be at the second one against the Giants on a short week. So, uh, you know, I think they, they have a chance of getting off to a good start. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Baldy. Uh, we know scary Terry is one of the elite young receivers in the game. Yep. I think Curtis Samuel getting him back with people who are familiar with him from Carolina, like Rivera. Like Coming Carter. off his best year too. Yes. And, and really how he was utilized in the run game to have, and, and not just in the horizontal run game. I mean, he was used in the run game between the tackles and yes. then you've already got Gibson, the speedster who I felt like became less of a receiver. Not that he didn't catch the ball a lot and more of a running back as he transitioned through his rookie season, you hit on the offensive line. Um, Fitzpatrick is stable at QB. I think they'll be better on that side of the ball. And defensively, the sky is the limit. And and I had a, I did this exercise at CBSSports.com where I'm like, okay, let me make some bold predictions for next year. The more I looked at that defense and the more I looked at that kid, the linebacker, Jameen Davis. Baldy, I mean, couldn't. When you have all that other stuff going on in your front seven, am I crazy to think that this kid 
because of how many dudes are going to require double teams and Chase Young, maybe triple teams, and how many athletes they have around him. And then the the, the Duran Paynes of the world on the in the interior. Mm-hmm. He might just be able to run around and make plays. Am I crazy to think he's going to be able to run around and collect the sack here, collect a QB hit there, collect a tackle for a loss here? No, not at all. I mean, you know, he was one of the fastest risers in the draft. I mean, wasn't a lot of people's, like, you know, top of the draft board. But, you know, as as we got deeper and deeper to the process, you started seeing, okay, you watch Kentucky, you're going to see number 44. He's going to keep showing up. And he did. And I thought he was the perfect fit. Like, a lot of teams don't want to invest in that middle linebacker. But I thought, you know, the secondary was really solidified. I love the pickup of William Jackson third from Cincinnati. Cincinnati is just, I mean, they, they look like a farm team, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Develop players, and then they don't want to pay them, and uh-uh. let other teams you scoop can have them. Them. Yeah. yeah, you know, you just go, go pay them and take them off our hands. And so I I, I really believe that uh, the way Jack Del Rio coaches this defense, that Jamin Davis is going to be able to play early, play fast, and just do that. I mean, be a Hoover vacuum cleaner coming in there and basically cleaning up sideline to sideline. I don't think it's going to be, you know, they're going to overload them with difficulty and checks and things like that. I think they're going to make this so that because they, they're just one of those teams that can just out athlete you at so many different positions right now. And, you know, when you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young coming off the edge, um, you know, those guys, their size and range, uh, it really kind of shrinks the field a little bit. Well, Baldy, I think our producer, Dylan, and anybody else who is involved with an NFL product, if we're talking about the NFC East, then how dare we go a moment longer without talking about the Dallas Cowboys? America's team, they move the needle, they sell jerseys, they sell beer, they sell the star. They don't win a whole heck of a lot, uh, but they do get their superstar quarterback back. We know the kind of talent they have offensively at the receiver position. But, boy, I, I just I, – I worry about that offensive line. I mean, I really worry about that offensive line. I, I tend to think maybe we've seen the best from Zeke, and I just don't know. Are they any better on defense? Like, have they gotten better on defense? Have I missed something? Did I, did I miss where they have a middling defense, let alone a great one? I, I have calls for concern with this team. Well, I, I do, too. I mean, they were they were they were horrible on defense a year ago. Everybody, it's, it's pretty well documented that when you're at the very bottom at stopping the run, um, that's that's a bad place to start. The secondary has just been raided over the last few years, and so you know you address it in the draft at linebacker and secondary, but you know you just don't know uh, how long it's going to take for these guys to kind of figure it out. Um, the offensive line is where it has to start, and that's saying, okay, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, you have to stay healthy. Lyle Collins, you have to stay healthy. Come back after you know opting out uh, from COVID a year ago, and you got to come back and you got to line up for sixteen. Now, if they can do that, which has been a while since you know that has happened, um, you know, then I give them all a fighting chance uh, right now because we saw the backup tackles a year ago and Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight, the guys that played. And while they played, they did not impress. And, you know, they, th- this whole 
the whole situation to me with, you know, Dak finally getting paid and, and all that, like, I just thought, I guess it's now three years ago, Jason, maybe it's two. Um, like they decided to pay Ezekiel Elliott before they paid the quarterback. Yeah. And I just thought like, that's backwards. And, you know, Zeke has not been an explosive lead back. He, he has not been an elite back in two years. He doesn't have the explosiveness. He doesn't finish games the way he once did. No. He's he's just not that feared runner. And it might be just wear and tear. It might be, you know, all these backs have a certain amount of carries in them, and then they just kind of, like, fall off a cliff. I don't know that he's falling off a cliff. I, you know, he's a complete back. I mean, he can block and he catches the ball well, all that. But you just don't see – you won't. you're not putting them at the top of the charts of running backs no. in this league, and they're paying him to be that guy. Yeah, I, I think when you look at where that offensive line is from an age and health standpoint, where you look at where the running back is himself, when you look at the fact that the offense looked better with the backup in there last year than him, uh, and you look at the contract, I, I think this is uh I think this is uh, Zeke's last stand. And with the quarterback now making forty million a year, I think this is Zeke's last stand with uh with the Dallas Cowboys. They did go six and ten last year, Baldy, which isn't great. But again, in this division, keeps you in the mix. I, I tend to think with them getting their quarterback back, while I, I don't fancy them to contend for anything real, they, they probably, I guess, are, are the second best team in the division, at least on paper right now. Well, I want to see how healthy the quarterback is. I mean, I, <clears throat> I know he's he's out there and, you know, he's, he's running around a little bit right now. But we, you know, we don't expect to see any of these stars in – three preseason games, right. maybe a little bit of action. But with the 17-game schedule now and two buys, I mean, there's times to play yourself. You know, I mean, there's a season to play yourself into shape. And so, you know, Dallas starts, I mean, it's a it's a tough start, really tough start when you got to open up with the world champs and then go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Mm. And nobody, you know, I mean, we'll get to the AFC West, but nobody doesn't believe that the Chargers are not going to be highly competitive this right. year. And then they, you know, they play, you know, the NFC East Philadelphia Eagles on a Monday night. That's a daunting start to a schedule. I mean, if they win any one of those first two games, uh, you know, uh, I would imagine that Dak would, would have to be back and playing really, really well. So, you know, movement is a big part of his games and being able to buy time. And even in a little bit in the, you know, read option game, I don't expect Kellen Moore to be calling his number very much right. to run it. But still, you can't legislate against movement. Just because, you know, this ankle, who knows how long it's going to take. I mean, that thing was fractured in so many different ways. Oh. You know, we, we really don't know until how long it's going to take until it feels really good. Yeah, no, that that's that's absolutely a, a variable that won't define itself until he's allowed to to, to do contact drills and then whatever they but do. But let me ask you this, Jason. Like, this Mike McCarthy thing, like, he, he was not impressive last no. year. He just wasn't. I mean, now I know, you know everybody's masked up. It's hard to see, like, the communication. But it didn't seem – like, I know you can over you, – you, you can read the body language, you know, wrong at times. But it just didn't seem like he was real – even when Dak was there for the first month, like, he was overly engaged. I mean, he's always been a play caller, yes. which always engages an offensive-minded guy. Like, they're always thinking about the next play, the next series – um, all that kind of stuff, you know, the the clock management. I mean, it's, but when you're not the play caller, it, 
I I don't know what you get reduced to when that's all you've been, you know, as as a big role of your head coaching duties. It, I am with you where at times you looked at him and and like I don't want to say that that he seemed vacant, but he seemed sort of miscast or or out of place or like he didn't quite know what to do with himself. And remember, he took a job that not everybody was going to take, especially an offensive play caller themselves, because it was like, hey, we really like this Kellen Moore thing and what he's done with our quarterback. So like he's part of the package, you know? So you've got to you've got to navigate that. Oh yeah, and the owner, he's the general manager and he's going to pick the players and if he wants, you know, his running back to to play his way into shape cuz he's paying him all that money, then guess what? You're going to keep handing you're going to keep calling plays for that running back even if he's less effective than the backup. So th- there are some unique quirks uh, I'll I'll say to that job. Um yes. and then the Kellen Moore thing on top of it was just another layer. And I I think you have to be a little bit skeptical about how all that's going to sort itself out and whether it will do so at a level to which Jerry and Stephen Jones feel like, um, okay, we can live with this. I, I, I think this is absolutely a critical year for critical. McCarthy and, and, and for them establishing an offensive identity with this $40 million quarterback and, and, and sort I mean, of, they, they have to be a top 10 offense. Jason, Look at all they've invested in the receivers, right? I mean, yeah, they got to be. Yeah, I mean, with the receivers they have, and then they're getting Blake Jarwin, the tight end back. I don't know, you know, at what point he's going to be healthy coming back from an ACL, but, you know, he had had a good 2019. Um, he looked like he was on his way to being a pretty good yes. mid-level, you know, tight right. end, maybe maybe better than that. Um, C.D. Lamb was sensational last year. I mean, as advertised, tough as can be. Ruled the middle of the field. I mean, he was he was sensational. So yes, I mean you 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 got a good RB one two combination. Like they've got to be a top ten offense. And you know if they are consistent, because that was the whole issue why you know the regime got fired before they couldn't finish out games. Um, they had three or four games in 2019. The Eagles, the Patriots. I mean, you go through them. They couldn't they couldn't score at the end of games, even though they were a high scoring team. They yes. couldn't score when they had to. And that's why one of the reasons why they made a change. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, and I and I think uh, this is obviously a critical year for a lot of individuals in this in this division, and I would put Mike McCarthy right up there. Um, fair or unfair, Baldy? It may be a bit of a critical year for Jalen Hurts, who I was impressed with with him coming in under duress. Let's not minimize what was going on in Philadelphia. The head coach was on his way out. Carson Wentz was a, was on his way out. We didn't know it for sure at the time, but that's how bad it really was. Uh, they couldn't keep an offensive line together. They had major issues defensively. Uh, and now here we stand with the Eagles coming off a four-win season. Nick Sirianni now in charge. Jalen Hurts goes into a season in the NFL as a starter for the first time. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 liked, I found myself liking under the circumstances, what Hurts provided. Obviously, the run game gets an immediate spark by his presence in the backfield and RPOs and mesh points and the things they Mm -hmm. can play around with with his athleticism. They draft what could be, should be, a franchise-wide receiver after moving around to do so a little bit. Um, I, I still think they have a ways to go, and firing Peterson told you that that they were kind of rebuilding retooling and that may take a year or two 
But I also wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles are the second best team in this division. Uh, again, that's a bit of a low bar to clear, but uh, you, how good can they be? What's their ceiling? What's their floor, Baldy? Well, I think their offense line is going to be very good. I really do. I think Lane Johnson was on one leg the whole year last year. Brandon Brooks is coming back. This Landon Dickerson, they drafted in the first yes. round, probably won't be ready to start the season. But at some point, they're going to start working them in there. They got a big battle left tackle between, you know, a first-round pick and Jordan Mailata. I mean, you know, Kelsey's back. I mean, they had a chance to be a really good offensive line. And if you add in Miles Sanders, if he can stay healthy, um, it's been a little bit of a question. But if he stays healthy with what they have there. This this kid they drafted from Memphis is really um, – really an intriguing player. I mean, I think they're going to be able to run the ball really well. I think that's what Nick Sirianni, that's the foundation of what he wants to do. I'm I'm really, I don't know where Jalen Hurts is right now. You know, in discussions, he said the only guy going back to Alabama, Oklahoma, and Philadelphia that really ever coached him was Lincoln Riley. And that's when he played his best. And I think Nick Sirianni and the guys that he has hired here, Jason, are, I mean, it might sound cliche, but like they are real teachers and the people, the players I've talked to, they really like them. They're impressed by him. Like just how open he is, mm -hmm. how they explain things to you, how, uh, you know, just their level of communication at, at, at all the positions. So I think the staff, like I, I met the linebacker coach um, two weeks ago, Jason, and he's 27 years old. You know, I mean, they're, they're wow. young, really yeah. young, but you know, I mean, there's, there's, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really willing to give this guy uh, a real, real long leash and opportunity to prove himself um, and to kind of start building this thing the way he wants to see it. And I think they've got some pieces there. I think this Devonte Smith is going to be a star. Yeah. I really do. He had an awesome uh, mini camp. I know it's just mini camp, but like he caught everything. He's got a presence about him. Darius Slay is saying great things about the kid. I mean, I, and they needed a, a receiver number one. I think Rager's going to be fine, but he's not a one. He could be a two. And so like, I think there's a, a lot there that's going to be fun to watch, you know, and fun to, I think they're going to, you know, get better and better as the season goes on. What about on the other side of the ball? I mean, is, is this a situation where the, the, the offense, if, if they are a, a team that hangs around and is fighting for whatever this division title looks like, I'm guessing it's the offense kind of carrying a heavy load. Yeah. I mean, look, they've got a lot of aging players. Uh, I think Fletcher Cox can still be dominant. Uh -huh. Brandon Graham. I mean, that's the foundation, those two guys right there. But, you know, they picked up Javon Hargrave last year, really didn't do much from Pittsburgh. But I think, you know, he's he's got what it takes to play inside. Derek Barnett has never really, you know, answered the bell to be the number 13th pick in the draft, you know, five years ago. So, but I mean, they've got a lot of experience up front. Um, they've rebuilt the secondary. It's all brand it's outside of Darius Slay. It's going to be basically new. And so that might take a little bit of time. Um, but I think they could be this, you know, this new defensive coordinator they've got from, you know, the Indianapolis Colts is, it's going all going to be about effort, and um, you know I, I think that if they can get their secondary fixed, I think they can be a, a you know I think they can be a middle of the road defense right now. 
Well, that might be that if, if you know what? I mean, I know that doesn't sound like uh, aiming all that high, but but honestly, if they could get back to being a replacement level defense with some of the potential on offense, that that might not be a bad recipe for 2021 uh, in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that would leave us with the New York football giants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Baldy. Uh they made some splashes in free agency in, in a year in which a lot of teams were were kind of judicious about what they spent. Um, they give Kenny Galladay his money. They they do lose uh, defensive tackle there to the uh, to the Vikings. Yeah, yep. uh, they they spend what they have to spend to keep Leonard Williams, which I think became a no brainer given what they gave up to get him. I just wonder, though, when I look at them in their totality uh, with Daniel Jones in what could be a make-or-break season for him, uh, with with Joe Judge doing some things last year that certainly, um, I think, brought some scrutiny upon them, having to shake the staff up as early as he did. Uh, I just don't know about these guys. You know what I mean? Like, I... I, I kind of feel like despite all the money they spent and everything they did, they might have just kind of tread water and treading water, especially in a division as weak as this. I don't think that's what, you know, the, the Tish and the Maras have in mind. Well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we, we cannot, um, you know, going along without talking about just what Saquon's going to look like. I mean, Quadzilla now is like a different animal. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't know. Like I was just, you know, I was just uh, doing a TV show with Terrell Davis a couple days ago, and for three straight years in a row, he was the most dominant running back in this league. Nobody carried the ball more. They won two Super Bowls, you know, and, you know nothing against Elway, but, I mean, TD carried that team. And then yeah. he tore his ACL. The next year, he said he was never the same. He said, you know, his body felt fine. Need just in the, the, the ability to run the ball the way he once did, just never the same. You just don't know. You don't know what what Saquon's going to look like, and they need him to be great. Um, he was not very good uh, in his second year with uh, with a bad ankle, no. so we got to see what that looks like. But like this is Daniel Jones's year, you know. I mean, he has been okay. There are flashes where you go, "Wow, he really sees the field well. He, he's accurate." I mean, all that. But you know, quarterbacks have to win games. You have to you have to put the ball in their hands and let's go down and win it. And I don't know that he's proven that he can do that. And, you know, he's the sixth pick in the draft and whatever it was, I forget now, but I think it was pretty high. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. It, it, you know, and, and you, you put a lot into it. Like you're, So they, they neglected the offensive line, which I thought was a huge mistake, Jason. Yes. Um, you let your best lineman go in Kevin Zeitler. Uh, you're going to rely on three rookies from a year ago. Um all of them had big question marks about them, all of them. And now you're basically just plugging them all in and saying, you know, that and Will Hernandez, like, let's go. And I don't see a lot of depth there. So they're going to – and Daniel Jones is like all of them. Uh, this guy starts getting hit. He's going to put the ball on the carpet. He fumbles um, quite a bit, Baldy. Fumbled 11 times last year. He lost six of them, Jason. So, I, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm basically just talking my, myself out of – Looking at the Giants as a, a team that can win this division, yeah. although I think it's wide open. But, you know, they showed a one flash last year, Jason, where you really saw, I thought, a Joe Judge influence 
They had won four in a row at one point, and they were really highly competitive. Um, you know, in, in three straight losses, they lost by a point to the Redskins or Washington and lost by a point to Philadelphia. And then they started putting it together. They were really competitive against Tampa. And then they, they really put a, a four-game stretch together and said, this looks like a pretty well-coached team. Like Joe Judge is putting his imprint mm-hmm. on them. And then they just fell apart. Oh, yeah. They fell apart at the end. You know, when it was when the division was wide open to yes. go win it. Yes, you know, they won they, that game at Seattle, right? And you're thinking, all right, well, the yes. defense is better than we thought, and maybe they're all right. And then, yeah, it crumbled. They couldn't score. They couldn't score at all, you know, against Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore. I mean, they just literally uh, – they, they didn't look anything like they did during a four-game stretch. Now, they, they played some tougher teams, Cleveland and Baltimore. So, I, I I like Joe Judge. I You know, the offensive line thing last year was just weird, like how quickly he blew his guy out. And, yeah. The Jason Garrett's guy, and you know all this kind of stuff that was going on to replace him. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, 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 I got to see how Saquon comes back, and I got to see a, an improvement, a noticeable improvement to Daniel Jones, and I don't know that we're ready for that yet. No, I'm not sure that's in the cards either. And I found it really interesting, and that sometimes the draft and how, what teams do can be pretty telling. And mm-hmm. I'm with you about the offensive line. And so the two Alabama receivers are gone and the Giants trade down, which I get. And you're watching how the board's falling. And I'm thinking, damn, one of these tackles is going to like, they're going to be able to get Darius or somebody like that. Like one of them's going to fall to them. And then they take a receiver anyway. Like it was clear that Gettleman was taking a receiver like for this kid, for Jones. And yes. it was going to be, you know, the kid from Mississippi or the one they took, you know, it's going to be a small guy. Yep. A runaround dude who can, you know, play out in space and horizontal screens. Let's just get the ball in his hands, kind of guy. Like it's clear they were wedded to that idea, come yeah. hell or high water, which to me is is a little troubling because the area where Gettleman's done the best is the hog mollies, right? Is the guys up front. But I don't think any any tackle could have been on the board, and I don't think they were taking him or any offensive lineman. Um that just is a little odd to me, especially when you just gave Kenny Galladay $36 million for two at a time when nobody else was in that stratosphere. Especially when I think there was a lot of receivers that you could have taken. Day two. Later rounds. I mean, the one thing that we know about these drafts in recent years is there's depth at that position. You don't have to spend – I mean, I like Cardarius, Tony, don't get me wrong. And I'm not here to, you know, second guess, but – I mean, they have made this mistake before with different regimes where they just don't address the offensive line, and it comes back to bite them. Um, I said for years that the only guy that could have survived in New York for the way he did was Eli. Like, you just, could, he, you just couldn't hurt Eli, yeah. no matter how much you blasted him. But, I mean, they made that mistake when he was there forever. Like, they just didn't address the offensive line. And they didn't recognize their mistakes when Eric Flowers was a mistake and you know, and I just feel like, I don't know, they, they think Andrew Thomas is the answer at left tackle. I, I, I thought he not only struggled, but I didn't see the level of improvement right. that, you know, that you needed to see with the fourth pick in the draft. If you want him to just, okay, shut down the blind side the way you, you kind of expect some of these guys drafted that high to be able to do. And they also had, what, their, their first rookie camp and, they had no cleats for Tony. Tony had no shoes that fit him, and these running it was around bizarre. in drills, right? Most, like th- this is the NFL. Players. Like in in some ways, Baldy, that's nothing. In a in a lot of other ways, though, I think about that, and I'm like, 
That's impossible. You wouldn't let that happen on a Pop Warner field, right? Like, if my eight-year-old showed up for baseball practice, you know what I mean, with one cleat on, his coach would look at us and send us home. Like, this is the freaking NFL. Like, I, I, I just wonder about the New York football giants. But uh, I remember, uh, Jason, when I, uh, when I was coming out of college, I signed a free agent contract with the Dallas Cowboys, and I got a letter from Gil Brandt. And it was, it was kind of like a, you know, form letter sending out to all the rookies. And, like, one of the paragraphs was, make sure you break your shoes in. You're not going to have any time to overcome blisters. Get, them, get your feet ready because we're coming here to work. And it was like that type of a, you know, memo. Yeah. And I never forgot that. Like, you know, your, your dogs are everything. And, you know, and just the, like the idea that he's not on the practice field because of cleats. Like most guys, I mean, you've been in every locker room in the, in the league, James. Most guys 500 pairs, unlimited supply. They're giving, these, they're giving cleats away to like Pop Warner yes. programs and stuff. So kids got shoes. Like this is the last thing that's ever an issue is shoes that, you know, not just fit, but like how many different pairs do you want to like choose from today? Unreal. Godspeed, Giants fans. Godspeed. Well, this has been our look at the uh, – at the NFC East, uh, I guess should we stay in the NFC next week, Baldy? Should we? I don't know. What do you What do you feel on South, North, well, I, West? You know, I I, I kind of think the 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 most fun division to look at in all of football right now NFC is the West. is the NFC West. Let's do it. And I, you know, I mean, I, I think you have a chance where none of those teams will finish below five hundred. But right. will anybody finish? You know, will anybody win twelve games in that division in a seventeen game schedule? I don't know. No, I'm I'm with you. We will go through the NFC West next week. It's been decided. Um, Baldy, me, Dylan, we're all on board. We hope you guys are as well. This has been the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. We come to you, as always, courtesy of our friends at Odyssey. Please, wherever you listen to this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever else, rate, review, give us feedback, let us know what you think. You can find me at Jason Lockenfor on Twitter. You can find Baldy at Baldy NFL on Twitter. And we will chat with you guys next week where we go from the NFC least to perhaps the NFL's best with the NFC West.